Welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. We're in the middle of the off season, and I've got great news, Eric. Uh-huh. We, uh huh. We the Dodgers finally showed commitment to Corey. Yes, thank God. Look, we've been waiting for this. Like you know, um, they they showed that they're willing to do what it takes to make sure they have Corey in their midst, and <laughs> they they acquired him. Uh, they, they acquired. Extended, they've had him. They they, they <laughs> extended his services past what they extended they him a contract. Yeah. We can say that. How about that? That's <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's and that's our episode today. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> I still hope they 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 extend Corey Seager though. So we'll talk about the uh, the transaction we are talking about, which sadly uh, isn't involving Mr. Seager. Um, some other just news updates. It's been two weeks, so there's some stuff to talk about. We've got questions from Craig. We've got a Dodgers Rewind. All of that after this. You have gave me a, a pronunciation guide for this, and I'm really grateful because I think I would have just nebbled it. Knable. Mm. Corey Knable is now a Dodger. I, I was looking at that yesterday because it, it. I thought I was saying it right in my head, but like then I I just thought to myself, I, I don't know if I've ever actually said it out loud. Like and then so I, I looked it up. I looked uh, media guide the team uh, when they put out their playoff roster, the Brewers, and then also on Baseball Reference it has this too. So it's Knebel K N E B E L. It made for a. Uh, I've got to make a funny joke on Twitter when they Dodgers acquired him. I, I said the Dodgers now have Ebel and Knebel. Um, so that was good, but it, you know obviously it's Knebel, but. Ha ha ha! Very funny. Um, so yeah, they traded for um, uh, a reliever, um, former Brewers closer. Uh, so it's it's essentially like a, a reclamation project, for lack of a better term. Uh, uh, Knable had uh, Tommy John surgery that that he missed 2019, uh, and he came back this year and was like kind of bad. Like he had a six ERA and you know his limited duty. He actually missed three weeks with a hamstring issue. His sort of numbers improved uh, after he got back from the DL or the IL, excuse me. But like, um, you know, this is them doing an upside play. And yesterday was non-tender day. Uh, um, the the deadline to tender contracts were, and it mostly affects arbitration eligible players because they're the, those are the players that are making any kind of money. And teams have been hesitant to pay people. <laughs> Um, who aren't like stars basically mm-hmm. um so his like he made uh, just over five million last year and it was probably gonna make roughly the same this this coming year so like uh the Brewers decided they were gonna non-tender him I guess and then but at the last minute um, the Dodgers traded for him and tendered him contract so he'll go through the arbitration process with the Dodgers um but yeah so like I look back, right? He was he had like a sub two ERA in 2017. He he saved 39 games. He was their closer again in 18. Uh, over those two years, he had a 40 percent K rate, which was like fourth best in baseball. That's you know that that's like Kenley at his peak uh, numbers. Um, so he was excellent. 
this last year he was like in like 24%, I think. So, you know, he's got a ways to go. So like in his heyday, his fastball was like 97 miles an hour. This last year it was 94.3. So uh, there's like room there. But after he got back from the DL, the last three weeks of the year, it was 95.4. So like there's, you know, potential for something there. Like the general consensus is it once like the Dodgers get a hold of him, they'll be able to maximize something. Um, He's and the other thing is like um, I don't you saw like a lot this year like uh, Bruce or Greaterall and um, uh, Blake Trinan were like the heavy um, sinker guys Dustin May in relief the same um, um, Knable is basically like two thirds to three quarters fastball one quarter to one third curve and like. The only other Dodger reliever who really throws a curve is Joe Kelly, who throws every pitch a curve, uh, just about. <laughs> but, like, so, like, it's a different look, and, like, that's what they, they uh, Andrew Friedman, like, always tries to preach, like, having different looks and different styles. I, I think we saw, like, the Rays do this this year, where they had that very creepy uh, graphic on Fox showing, like, their various arm angles, <laughs> and it looked like it, it looked like a big clock, but... You know, anything you can get different. But most of all, he has to pitch well. Yeah. But uh, he's shown that he can. If he's healthy, he just has to be healthy. So One like, thing I, I thought about this when they acquired it, and I didn't know much of his profile, but one of the like sort of mini narratives that came up yeah. in the World Series was they had no one good for Randy Orozarena. You're like, you want a righty, and you want someone that can throw something with movement. And uh, when you're looking at the, the Dodgers bullpen, you're like, well – Floro, I guess. <laughs> right. Um, oh, and it, it ended up being that way, but like, right. by, and, and, and but that, also it was such working. a surprise. Like it yeah, was like exactly. Yeah. Because I remember odd. when he came in, as as uh, listeners will know, I was busily not watching but following as closely as I could. I, I was rereading the Twitter feed, and when Floro came in, I there was a line. Um, I forget between who, but like. On one hand, wife Floro, he's one of your low leverage guys. This is a high leverage. On the other hand, he probably is the best fit. So yeah, uh, and he he literally changed it up against the Rosarito <laughs> because I don't think he expected him to come and throw in throwing his his like pitch against lefties to him. So that worked out. But like um, I looked at this, like I'm sure there are other examples, but these are the ones that immediately came to mind mm-hmm. uh, in the last few years. So like you know the success stories of essentially like. Um, formerly good pitcher um, coming off injury or subpar performance or both signs like a modest deal, I would say, with the Dodgers. In, in the case of Blake Trinan, he actually he was a non-tender guy last year, signed for more than what he was going to get in arbitration because like the, his market was strong and he was better recently, more recently, I guess. So like Brandon Morrow in 17, Blake Trinan this year, I would say those count as successes. Trinan was like up and down. His strikeout rate wasn't the best, but he was pitching like high leverage innings and he pitched reasonably well. Um, the ones that, you know, people forget about like and don't work out, are, you know, is Tom Kohler, uh, 2018, um, and Jimmy Nelson this last year. Neither of them actually pitched for the Dodgers. So, mm-hmm. but they, they do qualify as old friends, but um, yeah, so like it's not like a given, but everyone, so it's not like some slam dunk, right? The Dodgers are taking a risk here, um, in that they are probably going to pay him some somewhere near like five million bucks, uh, which is like uh, you know, given what some of the relief rates are, like that seems to be a, a decent rate for someone who has been excellent and potentially could be again, but it, it, there's a risk there for sure. 
but uh, that's that's the kind of move like where they just sort of pounced on a situation, and um, the who they sent to Milwaukee was player to be named later or cash. We'll we'll see how. Um, I can't imagine it's anyone significant since the Brewers were going to non-tender him anyway. But like it'll be like probably a lower level, like Class A, um, someone so super young. But I, I would imagine that that's sort of going to complete that trade at some point. Okay, so like I mentioned at the start of the show, a lot else has kind of happened. Nothing, nothing super major, really. No. Uh, in, at least in terms on the baseball side, I think the layoffs is a pretty big news, but one not hurtfully not unexpected and two kind of the same across baseball. Um, mm-hmm. So what have we missed, Eric? So yesterday was the tender deadline. Uh, the one uh, arbitration eligible Dodger who was, in my opinion, like on the bubble. Um, was Scott Alexander because mm-hmm. you know he was like option at the beginning of September didn't didn't make the playoff roster was very sporadic uh, this last year See, proved to be like the most susceptible lefty they had to the three batter minimum where I, lefties were like one for eighteen against him and righties like absolutely tattooed him uh, this last year obviously everything's a small sample but like he had as many walks as strikeouts it, it, it wasn't a very good performance just overall. From him and like, but then again, he's also not really making much. Uh, so he was on the bubble. He ended actually signed a one-year, one million dollar uh, deal. Uh, it's a guaranteed deal. The arb deals aren't always guaranteed. So like, a lot of pitchers like end up not pitchers, just general players in this situation. Like yesterday, I believe the number was. 59 players got non-tendered. That was actually lower than people expected, but also 59 players signed yesterday, which is like pretty high for like right now. Usually the the deadline of the ARB filing date in January is when all these deals start to happen. But like the threat of like getting thrown into like a market with like a billion free agents and like suppressing your value even more uh, led a lot of... Um, players to be like, you know what, I will take this security even though it's probably less than I might have expected in a, in normal circumstances. Uh, so a lot of players took those deals. Alexander did. I don't know how much he would have made in arbitration. The, the MLB trade rumors projections, not like the, the be-all end-all, but they had him at just slightly over a million. It's reasonable ex- to expect he took a little bit of a discount to to stay with the Dodgers, like get him, the Dodgers got him at their price essentially. Uh, but also, he has an option, so, like, that's that's fine. Like, I was looking at their roster. Um, for right now, like, you know, Kenley, Joe Kelly, and now uh, Corey Knable. Uh, Knable's out of options, but, like, those guys can't be sent to the minors. But, like, every other pitcher, like, who's who could be reasonably, like, um, expected to pitch in relief at some point this year, even including, like, May, Gonsolin, and even Urias, although I don't – not that I think they would – option Urias, but every other pitcher in who, who's going to pitch in relief uh is op, has options so like that is a like uh, they could up uh, they're obviously probably still going to add people this this winter but that's a functional roster it's one thing to have depth it's another thing to have depth you can actually use and and like um you know uh make decisions on like r- rather than being locked into like say five or six bullpen rolls because uh you know you can't move guys so that that that's pretty rare austin barnes 
um, is out of options of the non-starting like position players and like everyone else on that side is also optionable. So like, it's a, again, very functional roster. Um, so yeah, that, that's a really sign like of a strong like team in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. So just in this rehashing, uh, the Dodgers didn't, they tendered contracts to everybody else. Um, they have seven ARB guys. It's, uh, it, it's a pretty big group, like, uh, impact wise, it's, you know, Bellinger and the aforementioned other Corey, uh, Seager, um, Walker Bueller, first timer through ARB, uh, Julio Urias, second timer. He was a super two last year and then Barnes and Dylan Floro. Um, so like, yeah, those the, the we'll deal with those later in January. The other sort of roster thing is, um, I was I forgot if this was covered the last time we did, but we, it happened like just a day or two after. But the the deadline to set the forty man for like the Rule Five draft, adding prospects to it, was November twentieth, and the Dodgers added four players to it. It was three pitchers. Um, Gerardo, uh, I think it's Gerardo, man, I don't know if it's Gerardo or Gerardo, I think it's Gerardo, Carrillo, um, Edwin Usita, and Andre Jackson, and then outfielder Zach Rex, so like, um, yeah, that's, I, I don't have much to add, maybe we can uh, talk about them more specifically at a later date, but that's, so the 40-man roster after the Canable deal is 37, so that's basically where we're at. So, uh, before we get on to the next news, just a quick question for you. Yes, yes. Do you think the um, sort of the urgency to sign these uh, deals earlier in the season, do you think that speaks to perhaps this free agent season being a little different than the last two or three years, which have been really suppressed and taking really, really long for, for free agents to sign? Or do you think it's going to be more of the same, similar to the last year? I, I think it it is a sign of that. You, you have like the trend of the last few years of like the slow winters um, and like essentially the middle class getting like frozen out um, where it's like the, the top end of the guy uh, players usually get paid, but the rest of them, everyone has to like wait. And I think the, just the sheer volume, I think there's something like, I think the number is like 230 free agents right now wow. uh, with like the actual free agents. Um, and then the non-tender folks. Um, and, and so like that's a huge number, and like so, I I think there was a lot of like if I'm non-tendered, I have to go out. Like if I'm a right-handed reliever, right, I go out and I, I don't know. There's there's pro, there's like a ton of guys. Like I have to compete with that. I don't know what the market's gonna be. I'll take what I can get now. Um, some of them got guaranteed deals out of it, which um, was also a thing, a good thing, and guaranteed in a. I think you have we all like. In, I think we took that for granted in previous years. Like we, there's like a chance the season doesn't start on time. So right. I'm sure there's going to be negotiations at some point where, well, if we're not going to play a full season, we have to prorate the salaries again, and they're going to get into an argument over that. So, uh, guarantee, take guarantee with a grain of salt. But like that's you know essentially where we're at. Um, but yeah, so I think it was that. Then also like just. Um, the fact that the I think you know there was a pandemic and the revenue was way down. Uh, I don't really necessarily believe like the numbers MLB puts out where they say they lost like three or four billion dollars. Like, like I don't buy 
that I'm sure there's a way where you can say that and have it be a fact, but you can also yeah, check like, those it, numbers. <laughs> it's it's like in a way they're saying like we are like we uh, it's like expected profit was four billion off right. of what we want, right? That's probably what it really meant. But like, um, yeah. So like, but that I I think it's reasonable that like teams lost money, right? Like that that's that's not unreasonable to think mm-hmm. that. But like they also. Every, just about every other year make scads of money and like um so yeah uh it's weird uh, i'll sort of jump in a little bit because we we're going to talk about miners first but since we're on that sort of subject sure. like the dodgers laid off um um number of employees they had put out a statement on it like um uh let's see so uh, the organization has not been immune from widespread economic devastation caused by the coronavirus. That was the quote. Like, you know, it's a pretty boilerplate statement. Uh, not sure exactly what the total number was. I heard it was somewhere in the range of like 60 people. Wow. Um, I looked and like this has been happening like throughout baseball. I saw one of the like the Cubs specifically. I think their report of layoffs was about 60. I think the Phillies were at 80. Uh, most other teams were like in that range, maybe a little lower. Um, I, uh, so it, it's rough, you know, obviously it's, it's a terrible like time. We've seen it in multi, a lot of industries, but, and, uh, I think, uh, Craig Edwards at Fangraphs had a note about this. So like the Braves are the only publicly traded or, uh, they're owned by Liberty, uh, media, which is publicly traded. So they have to like put out, um, earnings reports every quarter. And so they're, they're like the one team you could look at. And like, I think. This year, if the la- when I looked uh, for something uh, through three quarters, I believe they were they claimed an economic loss on the Braves side of like eighty eight million dollars, which I think fairly reasonable for two thousand twenty, right? Like, just given uh, even if it's like accounting tricks, like that's that's reasonable. But like Craig Edwards at Fangraphs looked at this, and I believe even if you factor in the losses from two thousand twenty, just going back to like two thousand eighteen. They have still made like uh, a lot of profit. Sure. So like you don't. It, it's rare that you see teams like let's say, man, we had a good year this year. We made an extra hundred million. They don't. They don't always go out and hire people. That you know that that doesn't tend to trickle down like the the losses do. Um, so like and, and a lot of a lot of people are laid off who are like longtime employees, right? Maybe they were going to retire. Maybe they weren't. But, like, it's people you're counting on. So, like, when things are good again, are you just going to go hire them back? Like, why mm. why should they show loyalty now, like, to this? So, it's just, I don't know. Well, the other thing, oh, yeah. The other thing, I believe, um, I think the Dodgers, and, and part of their statement, too, they mentioned, like, um, like, the Dodgers family. And that really rankled me. It's like, you don't, you don't call someone a family as you're, like, kicking them out. Like, if it was really family, you would would you really like kick your uncle out the door? You know, like if he was, yeah, I mean, maybe you would, maybe he's a drunk, who knows? But like, uh, uh, that just really rankled, but you can't on one hand say it's a family and then on the other be like, well, it's a business, you know, sorry. <laughs> like, so like, it just seemed very, um, disingenuous to me, but like, yeah. that's sort of the state of everything right now. But like, yeah, it's rough, it's rough out there. Well, Sort like it's interesting. The minor league reshuffling, I, I was put in the motion. I think before before COVID ever started, right? Yeah, like last November was when the news broke, and 
they've been like negotiating ever since. The minor league baseball had whatever leverage they might have had against the majors, like just vanished yeah. with with the pandemic because so many teams, you know, they're operating on like razor thin margins as it is. So they it's rough years all around. Like and so yeah, MLB is basically just going to organize how they want. They're kind of strong arming a little bit on some things. Like I think they're still negotiating with Fresno. Like um, none of this is like official by MLB. There's a few things that have happened, but like, um, like AAA, for instance, um, I believe um, Fresno, they're asking the Fresno Grizzlies to become a, I, what I believe would be a low A team in the Cal league, the Cal league switching from high A to low A. And Fresno's like, uh, no, we don't want to do that. But MLB, you know, everybody's like, well, if you can either do that or not be affiliated. And so they're like threatening to sue. I think, I don't know if that's been resolved yet, but I expect by next week, like most of these announcements will happen. But the things that have happened so far is, um, um, the rookie level pioneer league where the Dodgers had the Ogden Raptors, there was eight teams in that league. That is now an independent league. It's, it's a quote unquote partner league of major league baseball, which essentially means, um, uh, it's places for like fringe guys uh, to go, you know, maybe someone on the outs looking to uh, get back into baseball, someone who was overseas, maybe who hasn't fa- jump found a major league team, they can go there and play. Um, but then MLB's like uh, putting in like uh, whatever they call it scouting technology. I don't know if it's Edgetronic or Rapsodo or all the sort of video stuff that be readily available for like MLB teams to look at. So you can see a guy's spin rate on a lower level that you might not have otherwise seen. So I don't know if some of these parks already had that in there. I'm, I'm, I think they might have like, I, I'm sure the Dodgers had some sort of setup at Ogden, but like MLB is funding that to make sure it's at all these ballparks. And then I think they're covering the expenses, uh, at least operating expenses for like 2021 as a way to sort of say, sorry, we took away like a third of the value or more of your franchise, but here's how we're going to handle it. But so that means the Dodgers don't have a rookie team anymore. No one's going to have a rookie team uh, at an affiliate anymore. Those are all going to be like uh, teams at your, at spring training complexes. Um, It's essentially once everything shakes out, it's going to be four levels, triple A, double A, and then two class A teams. Now, the one thing we don't know for sure yet is that, the Cal League going to low A means that Dodgers are probably going to move away from Great Lakes. Um, and I, the report, J.P. Hornster had a report, I think the day uh, we released the last podcast, that the Dodgers would move to Spokane. Like, everyone sort of denied it, but I think part of the denial was, hey, it's not like we haven't finalized it yet, so <laughs> you stop blowing up our spot. Yep. I, think, I think that was the denial more than anything. But, like... Um, so that's probably going to happen. The Dodgers were already in Spokane, um, uh, 1958 to 72 when they when they moved to LA. Uh, they were a Triple A team there for 14 years, then a Single A team for one. They had a couple really great teams. Uh, 1960 with Willie Willie Davis, um, he won uh, PCL MVP before getting called up for good. And then 1970 had like almost all the like late 60s great draft picks. They had three quarters of the infield, uh, everyone but Ron Say. Uh, they had Bobby Valentine, um, uh, Charlie Huff was there, Doyle Alexander, uh, that uh, Tommy Lasorda was manager. They they were like one of the, I think Baseball America in the 90s at some point said they were the best minor league team in like the last 50 years. And um, so like it, it's a pretty storied tradition there. So if the Dodgers do uh, get that, that, that's a pretty neat thing. And 
so we'll see. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about once that stuff becomes official. But uh, yeah, that's that's sort of where where we're at right now. Well, uh, good to be caught up. Uh, you're going to ask me a trivia question, and I'm probably not going to get it right. Uh, but you're not going to find out until after the commercial break. Who? So I always read these trivia questions an hour or so, sometimes a little bit more, depending on my day, uh, before we record, just so I can think about it and not be dead airing too much or having uh, the little break you and I take during the commercial break actually take 10 minutes. Uh, you know, you've, you're an important man, Eric. You've got, you've got things to do. That's right. <laughs> and what I found out from this is, one, I don't have a good guess. Stone cold, I don't have a good guess. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating... There's a wide range of reasons why I don't have a good guess. I'm anticipating you're going to say a name, and I'm going to be really upset that I didn't think of it. Um, uh, well, you, would you like me to give you a hint? Sure. We'll see. Uh, I will just say Oscar picks. Oscar picks? Now, now, I, now I'm just even more confused. Dude, your hints tend to do this. Okay, so um, John Axford uh, saved 46 games in 2011 yep. for the Brewers. Yep, uh, and then the Dodgers got him at the deadline in 2018. He, he pitched in five games. Yep, uh, before getting hurt, and he had a seven. This is exactly, so, uh, and yeah. I'm glad you brought this up because this was. I'm like, maybe it was like a really famous pitcher in the 70s or something. And I just forgot, mm-hmm. uh, not my era. But I'm like, I feel like uh, there was that exact story. A one-time All Star, great, came to the Dodgers, pitched. Just enough to where I could have remembered it, but then got injured or whatever, and then never stuck in my memory. Yeah. And what it made me realize is, um, Axford specifically, I consistently mix up with um, two other pitchers, uh, one one a brewer and one a twin, uh, uh, not a roughly-ish same era, uh, Danny Kolb and ah. uh, Joe Nathan. And I all three of those were when I was really heavy in fantasy baseball. And I needed a closer. And those were the three I was, like, dabbling between. And so I consistently mix them up. You and I were joking before we went on there. I consistently mix up twin and brewer pit relief pitchers for some reason. Uh, The the Joe Nathan thing. So it it was a fun one for me to to think about, but ultimately figured out pretty quick. I'm like, I'm not going to come up with this answer. Man, I have not thought about Danny Kolb in a long time. That, That was a nice pull. No, um, I thought of him first. And I'm like, I don't think that's who I want to think about. But <laughs> I don't think he was ever a Dodger. But again, Axford, similar. Like, I'm like, if you had said his name, if we had just going through his name, like, was he a Dodger for like a second? Yeah, <laughs> it was like a three minutes, basically. Uh, I So I don't remember um, what year it started or what team he was with when he did it. Maybe he was with the Blue Jays still then. That's who the Dodgers got him from. Mm-hmm. But like one year, he like... He was like twenty four for twenty four in his Oscar picks, and like so, like every year after that for a few years, people would go ask him like, "What are your picks?" And he did a he did like a good job like for a good couple year run. He's a big like film buff, I guess. So mm. that that's what uh, that's what he sort of <laughs> what made me think of him. Well, just a I, little spoiler before we get to the Dodgers rewind. You have a trivia question embedded in there, and it's going to be a really similar experience. So yeah, I, well, th- there's a uh, like. Yeah, there's a basic like, uh, you know, theme of the like Brewer Dodger connection here. Sure. Like that's what I was going for, and like so this today's Dodger rewind was not actually a Dodger player, uh, but rather a pitching coach, Jim Colburn, who used to pitch for the Brewers. So 
He pitched in 10 major league seasons, 69 to 78. Five of those uh, were for the Brewers, maybe his five best years. Um, he's the first 20-game winner in Brewers history, 1973. Cool. He actually he still holds the Brewers' single-season record uh, uh, for 314 and a third innings pitched in 1973. Can you imagine, like, I mean, look, no one's pitched uh, – 300 innings since I believe Steve Carlton in 1980. So it's not going to happen. But can you imagine today someone pitching 300 innings? <laughs> like, uh, la- I forgot, like last year, Cole got up there. It was like around like 250 plus, you know, because, uh, counting the playoffs. And mm-hmm. like, I was thinking, man, that's a lot of innings, especially in like today's, you know, form. But like, that's so many innings. <laughs> like, like some of the like the, the like the Kofax numbers and stuff, like you know, it's just the innings totals are just mind boggling. You had like four man rotation plus pitchers pitching like eight innings a game. <laughs> it was just nuts. But anyway, um, so he pitched a no hitter for the Royals in 1977. Um, he was hired. He had a number of roles in baseball. I believe he was the uh, overseas like scouting director in I believe Asia for the Mariners for a few years before the Dodgers hired him. As pitching coach, he came along uh, as part of Jim Tracy's staff uh, in 2001. He was with uh, the Dodgers all five years Tracy was here through th- 2005. And then when uh, Dodgers cleaned house, uh, Tracy moved on to Pittsburgh uh, and Colburn went with him for a few years there to be pitching coach. Um, the only other thing I have on Colburn uh, that I did not know until yesterday is that he was the Tigers' third base coach in for love of the game, and at, like as himself. So it wasn't like generic baseball player or baseball character who mm-hmm. who actually is. So yeah, so I, I thought that was kind of cool and, and very random. But it reminded me. Um, so Rick Honeycutt succeeded Colburn as Dodgers pitching coach and held the position for a uh, franchise record fourteen years. Um, excuse me. Uh, but who was the Dodgers pitching coach immediately preceding Colburn? This is, I. It's interesting. This is the era where I actually may know the least about the Dodgers. Like yep. that's not fair because I'm like forties. I probably don't know that very much. Um, with so many of the other eras, the seventies, the sixties, the eighties, the fifties. There's just so many iconic players that come up, and this was the the era of sort of my childhood. So I know my favorite players, uh, but I don't like not the era that I dug in into the, the coaching staff or anything like that. So that was my rambling to let our listeners think. And I'm sure more than half of them immediately knew it. Uh, who, who is it? Eric? I see. I don't know if it's an immediate thing, like, but it is, it is a former, uh, longtime Dodgers pitcher, Claude Osteen. Okay. Um, I bet, and, I, I bet, I bet. But I don't, I know he was around, but like, I, I think, I don't remember him being like a pitching coach, honestly. Like he oh, was wow. like, I mean, I was sort, I was sort of surprised. Thought Charlie I would. <laughs> yeah, Char- Charlie Huff immediately preceded him. Um, so like you had this run. So if you go back to Ron Paranowski, so from 1981 to 2020, that's 40 seasons. Um, uh, let's see, yeah, 35 of the 40 years uh, the Dodgers. Oh, no, sorry, 30. 30 of the 40 years um, were had pitching coaches, Dodgers pitching coaches, 
um, who actually pitched for the team. Wow. That's, yeah, that's crazy. So, yep, uh, that's that's where we're at. Um, or I guess 31 of the 40, I counted wrong. But, uh, yeah, so that that's a good run. Um, yeah, so that's that's today's Dodger Rewind. That was a good one. Thank you for that. And now it's time for... Questions from Craig. Five, six? Five questions from Craig, and then you have but, a weird bonus but, thing? Before, I know Craig always ends on a food question, but I want to start with a food diversion. Thanks All to right. David. Questions from David Price? <laughs> um, we So, um, uh, it's... This is a complete like um, coincidence, the timing of it. But on on Monday, no Tuesday, excuse me, we're recording on Thursday. David Price just randomly tweeted, "Ruffles lime and jalapeno chips are the best chip out right now." With two exclamation points, so you know he's serious. Um, I'm not sure what second Cheetos, flaming hot Cheetos, probably. So um, my question to you: A, have you tried the Ruffles lime and jalapeno chip? No. Okay, so uh, the reason it's coincidental because just this morning uh, Anthony Davis officially signed his five-year like supermax extension, 190 million with the Lakers. So uh, that was very cool. I went to my local like liquor store that's right next to my apartment this morning, thinking they would have it because they generally do have that flavor there. They did not have it there. So right now I am sitting uh, here. With a bag of sour cream and onion ruffles, which are also good. I will say I've tried the lime and jalapeno before. They are really good. Um, I th- I'm I'm on, uh, if I'm going to go that sort of potato chip, I think I prefer a regular ruffle. I, I will mm. even consider, you know, the store brand ridge mean, chip. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um. So I that's that's sort of where where I I stand. I mean. The best chip, though, it, it it's probably Doritos Nacho Cheese for me. But, like, of that sort of potato chip, I would go regular Ruffles, I think. Uh, just real quick, if I'm allowed to include dip in the equation, regular Ruffle with French onion dip. If not, uh, sour cream and onion Pringle. Oh, that's that's solid. I, I like the Pringle. Um, I don't yeah, like regular good. Pringles, but give oh. it a little bit of flavor. Uh, Is it because of the aftertaste? I think it's just it's a little too buttery. Um, mm. to yeah, sort of rich, and I think sour cream and onion kind of cuts it really nicely. The the French onion dip is wonderful, and and ruffles especially as the as the dipping chip is pretty great. Also great with uh, little pretzels. Mm, oh, all right, nice. All right, now actual questions from Craig. Sorry, David yeah. Price, you only yes. get one. And sorry, Craig, for interrupting your segment. Two part quiz time for Eric. Thank goodness it's not for me. Since Andrew Friedman took over the Dodgers' front office, seven Dodgers have accumulated 10 or higher B-War. Can you name them? And he has a hint. Six of them are uh, were on the World Series team, and four were in the organization before Friedman started. Okay. So, oh, six of them they were on this year's team. Okay. Um, so, 10 baseball reference war. So, um, Kershaw... Turner, Bellinger have to be three. Um, Seeger is four. Um, ooh, I think <laughs> I, I'm probably overthinking this. No, uh, Jock 
is one because I know I believe he reached ten, at least ten baseball reference war. So that's he five. Is. So who then, who have you said Ken, so far, real quick? I just want to make sure. Oh, um, so uh, Kershaw, I, I Turner. Think I think these are only hitters, and I, that was oh. not in the question. Uh, but the list I have is only hitters, so it's not Kershaw. Okay. Let me tell you okay. that. <laughs> well, I, he had that home run one time. Um, no. Um, okay, so go ahead. Just circle back then. So, okay, so Turner, Bellinger, Seeger. Yes. Jock. Uh, yes. The first three you got in order, by the way. Uh, okay. Jock, you skipped uh, a couple. Yeah, okay. So there, uh, then... And then there's two other ten war guys who were on this this team. Uh, correct. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So Chris Taylor. Yep, number four. Um, and man, I, I, I think I don't know if did Kike. Yeah, I'll just say Kike because he was there so long. Uh, Max Muncy. Did he? Muncy. Wow, yes. nice. So now you're missing oh. one that was not on the World Series uh, team. That one, I believe, is wow. I, I, th- I have a hint I, if you need it. I think it's Yasmani Grandal. It is. My hint yeah. was going to be position matters. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna. I was thinking Adrian Gonzalez, but then I know like he's ranked higher on Fangraphs Grandal, mm. and I just didn't know if he was like dinged enough to like not make it. But okay, so that's good. The second part, during the same period, nine, oh. nine Dodger <laughs> yeah. pitchers have thrown 300 or more innings. Can you name them? Uh, five were in the organization before Friedman took over. Two were primarily in relief, and one was drafted and signed by the Fried, uh, by Friedman's organization. Okay, so 300 innings from 2015 to now, so six seasons. So Kenley, uh, I, I, obviously Kershaw, um, God, nine? Um, <laughs> all right. Um, again, overthinking this. Um, um, Maeda? Uh, yep, number uh, two. Um, after Kershaw. Okay, so... That's interesting. I don't know if I would have guessed Maeda for two. I don't know who yeah, else I would have guessed. But... I, I think maybe because he started in 16. Yeah, and so it's, I, I... it's by a decent margin, by the way. Uh, Clayton with 954, Kenta with 589, next place 447. So, let's see. The the one... Uh, I'm overthinking this for... Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, 16, 17, 18, 19. Rich Hill... Uh, Rich Hill, number uh, seven. Am I? Do I have I named four so far? Uh, you've named Kershaw, Maeda, Kenley, and Rich Hill. Okay, um, man. Uh, one was drafted and signed. Oh, Walker Bueller. Yep, number um, six. Okay. Um, uh, the other Alex re- Wood. Alex Wood is number three. Ross Stripling? Number four. So am I missing two? You're missing a starter and a reliever. I think the reliever is easy to get if you think about it. Pedro Baez. There you go. <laughs> and then um, I I don't know if he got this, but I, I just I think I'm going to go with Hyunjin Ryu. You got them all, man. Okay. Because I, I, I – he so his you didn't miss one. For, you... He was 13-14. Then he missed all, almost all of 16-17, which – 
or fifteen sixteen, which threw me off, and I didn't know if he. I was, I was trying to think if he he actually got to three hundred innings, but yeah. What's really funny is the trivia questions you had for me are more of the level that I would have asked you. <laughs> uh, and th- this, I, I'm really interested if I had, especially if I had, I had like a two or three minutes to think about this before we went on air, how many yeah. I would have gotten right. I would not have gotten all seven. I don't think I would have come up with Yasmani. Um, I'm, and I don't think I would have guessed Jock Peterson. I didn't know that as you did. But I think I would have I, gotten the other names. I, it uh, would have taken me a while to guess Jock, but I think... I had looked something up on him recently mm. or just been on his baseball reference page that I noticed like what I just happened to glance at what his career war was. And, I, but uh, you know, that that's, I think the only reason I guessed it. Sure. Uh, and then, yeah, the pitchers, like when you look at the list, there's nothing shocking, maybe striplings a little surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but everything else just makes sense, especially when you know it was two relievers. I think once you had that hint, um, I, I, I curious to know how many I would have gotten. I almost was thinking Grinky, but then I remembered he was only there the one year under Friedman mm-hmm. fifteen. Mm-hmm. So like that that would have been a that would have been a close one. No, great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric and Jacob, the Dodgers currently have thirty seven players on their forty man roster. So for the co- contest, will the Dodgers have a full roster by the end of the year? Uh, will the next addition uh, be one of their fr- free agents returning to the team? And given the breakdown between pitchers and position players when they reach 40 players for the first time. Oh, he wants us to guess what the breakdown is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is three parts. Um, so full roster at the end of the year, I will say no, like December th- by December 31st. So they have 37. I don't think they're going yeah, to add a net of three players. So um, I'm just writing this down as we go. And then the other one was the next. The next one, did he was he specific? Um, uh, oh, just oh, just name the next edition. I think the next one will be Justin Turner. Okay. Um, I yeah, I'm trying to think if there's like one of those sneaky low risk signings that I can right. just per- call before they do Turner. But no, I, I think Turner makes the most sense. It's the most yeah. obvious deal. So. Uh, they could swoop in like another reliever. Maybe they bring Blake Trinan back, or like somehow get um, like, or maybe Brad Hand. I don't know, but yeah, I, I think Turner's the safest bet. Um, for the breakdown, so it's currently, currently twenty one sixteen. So, I'm if you just take Turner as a given, mm-hmm. I think they're for sure going to add another pitcher at least. So we're at. In my head, twenty-two and seventeen. Now, they probably also add a position player. Not that they need it, but they like they could do other moves. Yeah, about to like, say it doesn't necessarily like, mean like we're Luke not losing. Rayleigh, Luke Rayleigh could you know be like DFA or something, um, and you know who knows. But like in my head, I was thinking maybe twenty-three seventeen, but. Um. Then I thought about it like having only in a twenty-six man roster, and it's thir- you can only have thirteen pitchers if they use that rule that they were going to use this year. That's to have only four like position players on the forty man that you can call up is low. So I think it's going to be twenty-two eighteen. Uh, once it's once it's broken down. 
<laughs> you're, you're rambling this whole time, and I'm like, I'm 22, 18. Like, I, I'm just uh-huh. gonna stick on it. But we're we're exactly the same. That doesn't make for a fun contest. So no, we'll just well we just we're just both gonna be right three times. That's, that's okay. That's, that's a perfectly fine. We we have to have our winning percentage. It's like um, you know, we're we're sort of like we created our own tomato cans. We're, we're boxers, <laughs> and then. You know, you never see like, oh man, look at this guy. He's nineteen and thirteen as a as a boxer. Let's let's watch that guy fight. Nope. We have to have um, inflated records for when we take our inevitable yeah. losses. In, in the name of fun, I will say the Dodgers do hit. So uh, they will hit forty before the end of the year. They might not be at forty, but they will hit it before the year. I don't actually think that, but for uh, for the fun mm-hmm. of the contest, man. we'll do that. Nice. We've all seen Kirk Gibson's home run video on the Dodger Stadium big screen many times. If you had to pick just one highlight from, let's say, the NLCS and World Series that will now take the most played title away, what would it be? And I'm going to, I'm before we give Craig's answers out, I don't even want, I'm not reading the question so it doesn't influence me. So when he, when he first asked this, the, I thought he was asking for one for both of the NLCS and World Series, but now I don't read it that way. Mm. So, so I mean, one for each, right? That's how. That's, that's how, how I'm taking it. Oh, okay. So now I sort of saw it as one for both, but let, let's let's say it's one for each. I think, well, if it's one for each, I mean, if it's one for um, one total, I think it's Cody Bellinger's pennant winning home run. Mm-hmm. Um, there. The other, you could say, like, any one of Mookie Betts' three catches, but also Cody Bellinger's catch against the Padres. This, I think that was too early, but it was it might have been the actual play of the postseason. Um, but um, I think the, the pennant-winning home run was, was is going to be, like, the main sort of highlight. And I'm trying to think in the world. Um, the other thing, it's but it's also NLCS, was... Um, Justin Turner's double play. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of like a signature World Series. It, it it's just gonna be like, uh, it it's just last out, right? Like, um, yeah. So it, I, yeah, I, I didn't think of that, but that's a really good one because to me, there's this is this is a really interesting question because to me, the signature moment, I think of the entire playoffs is is uh, Bellinger's home run steal. Uh, yeah. But if we're just going in the later, to me, it's still the Will Smith home run. To me, that was ah, what everything flipped. But it's not necessarily the best video clip because, you know, it was, you know, they went from 3 1 3 2. Yeah. Uh, so to me, the two, the two purely graphical video awesome moments, uh, last out, I think is a, a really good one. Um, and, uh, the, uh, Blah, blah, blobbering is a uh, Mookie Betts home run in the last game just because of his reaction is yeah. so awesome and so emotional. Um, I his him rounding first where he's just screaming exactly. basically that was the that was the cover and you, shot if you think about Mike the Kirk Gibson story. home run like yeah they show the home run but so often what you actually see is the fist pump and so in a similar vein I think I think Mookie's home run might be one of the, especially like thinking of a young fan growing up i wonder if they'll go oh that was the big home run growing up for me i thought kirk gibson won the world series on that home run <laughs> right like i remember being a kid going wait that was game one <laughs> yeah but like i was thinking about it when you said that will smith might not be a good video but i just imagine like uh dj severe gets his hands on it or, or like the dodgers video team and they layer in like will smith's songs 
uh, for the Will Smith versus yeah. Will Smith event. Oh my God! Like that—that's going to be a fun video. But you're right. Like there was a it there's what they're going to end up making. I'm sure there's going to be a, a number of these. But like just for in terms of stuff they show at the stadium, it'll be like um, a, maybe a minute, right? Like a pregame thing where it's like all of those. Like, yep. And, yep. And then like that, and it's going to be pretty great. Um, but yeah, like. I was trying to think if there's like, you know, do you do like a, a Kershaw or Bueller compilation, like hit Bueller, like um, getting out of the bases loaded jam, like somehow make that a compilation, but it's not like a, a video moment, you know, maybe yeah, him like similarly getting, the, coming off the mound. Yeah. The, yeah. well, similar speaking of coming off the, uh, the mound or uh, is uh, Kershaw's stopping of the steal of home another like yeah. not exact like when you know it it's really exciting but kind of a weird play <laughs> to uh uh to show as a highlight and uh just yeah. so you know uh craig's choice was was bellinger's go ahead home run and yeah, with and then, joe davis on the call and i think that, that is a really that's a point. great point actually if they include yeah. game audio that notches up several several levels uh on my rankings for sure yeah i mean can you imagine like uh, when they hype up like uh, Julio Urias next year, when like like oh, which one do we show? Do we show the NLCS clincher or the World Series clincher? Let's show both. You know, mm-hmm. like what a ridiculous postseason he had. If you follow Eric on Twitter, you might know he is a fan of the Hallmark Channel holiday movies. Eric, I'm up to like I think I'm up to like twelve watched so far. <laughs> Tell Let's us your it. ideal Hallmark holiday movie plot that involves baseball in some way. So we'll start there. So, last year, uh, I was working with uh, Caroline Darney, uh, who is our um, team brands manager for, like, all the college sites on SB Nation. Uh, And we were sort of going back and forth trying to figure out um, a a an actual, like, writing a Hallmark movie. Not like we're going to write the whole movie, but we just basically had, like, a plot outline. And it involved, like... uh, Man, I don't remember offhand, but we we ended up not finishing it and like not doing it because it wasn't it wasn't like anywhere close to being like done. But like it was essentially like a minor league team um, that was going to be moved or something. Um, and then I don't remember, but th- there almost has to be like um, a like a minor league team wants to move, but to get the land. They have to like buy out all the these small businesses in a small town, and like uh, one of them is probably a bakery, let's say, and uh, let's say the lead actor is the baker there, and the lead actress is like the uh, in the like executive group of the minor league, and she's like in charge of all the real estate. So she's going out trying to um, secure all these properties. Turns out, like, you know, she falls in love with the the baker and then figures out, like, some way at the end to, like, build the ballpark, but also include him, uh, who probably has, like, a an old father or someone who doesn't want to sell. <laughs> who I don't know, whatever. And then ends up, like, his, his um, products get sold at the ballpark, and he actually has a higher profile because of that. And they fall in love. You know, it's corny, sappy. They have a formula. That's not very good. That I'm just trying. I'm trying to remember, and I don't have all the details. But that's essentially what I would do. 
Uh, and for me, uh, will your daughter be tuning into the Charlie Brown Christmas next weekend on PBS? And have you been humming uh, your mean one, Mr. Grinch, to her yet? Uh, oh. uh, Melissa and I, we're, we're really big Advent people. Uh, and part of that mm-hmm. is um, trying as much as you can, uh, sort of delaying that real Christmas expression until it's yeah. late, late as you can. So we haven't done any of that yet. I have been listening to a Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, that's, that's hard for me to not do. Um, if I remember, basically, my sense of time has been, uh, as most of this year, just kind of thrown out the window. So if I remember that it's on, I certainly will turn it on. And I'm sure I can find it on a VOD somewhere on the Internet. Uh, and it's a special one. So, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that will happen if I think of it this year. I believe um, I currently have recorded that I haven't watched. Uh, I think I have DVDs of them, too, but like Rudolph, the old like mm-hmm. stop animation one. Um, I don't think I recorded Charlie Brown. I, I'm not sure if it's actually been on yet. Maybe it has, but I, I maybe I missed it. Um, but I will. Uh, I did watch um, Christmas Chronicles from last year on Netflix with Kurt Russell. It was actually not bad. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, the, I think they have Christmas Chronicles 2 out. Not sure I'm going to watch that. But um, uh, I watched Home Alone and Christmas Vacation. Uh, I have Planes, Trains, and Automobiles tape. Not, not a traditional, like, you know, it is a Christmas movie, but it's... It, whatever um or maybe a thanksgiving movie i don't remember the exact plot of that i think that's what it was thanksgiving but anyway it's a great movie um so i'm trying to think of this the oh the one i was thinking about yesterday uh i loved as a kid yogi's first christmas and it was like on a few times on some of the local channels or something it's available like on i think it's free on amazon prime or something so i might I don't have Amazon Prime right now, but I might have to get at least a free trial just to watch that. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But I think, yeah, I I sort of like all the, you know, I've been mixing them in uh, these last few weeks. Yeah, um, I think the special that was always my favorite was actually the Garfield and Friends Christmas. Ah, nice. A really sweet one, I think. Um, in terms of new ones, nothing really. I don't have the the Hallmark itch that you do, um, but I saw a trailer the, uh, the other week for. Uh, Jingle Jingle uh, on Netflix with Forrest yeah, Whitaker. That, that is that looks really good, and I um I I've been meaning to watch it. I just haven't got it yet. Yeah, so that's that's on my list. Again, another thing that we're probably going to wait until actually close to the day. But that's that's definitely on my list. Is it a rule that you have to like go to Trader Joe's and buy Jingle Jangle the um the like sort of candy tin? Um, it's like a chocolatey um. I don't remember what else is in there, but there's like pretzels, and but it's all like very chocolatey based. Uh, it's that it's called Jingle Jangle. It should have been a tie-in, I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they're disappointed. All right, with uh, my niece is all grown up. My connection to the gr- upcoming Girl Scout cookie season has been limited to my friends' kids. With that said, Jacob and Eric, do you have a favorite Girl Scout cookie? And Jacob, did you notice any changes in the types you could get when you moved all those years ago? So I like I am stock here. Um, frozen Thin Mints are the best. Yeah, I, I like Thin Mints uh, the best. I like them regular, but like I do, they're not. I don't think they're bad frozen. Um, but I just I just like the regular. I think more. Mm-hmm. But I do still freeze like at least half of them if I get them. Um, the other ones that are sort of plain that I like are the shortbread. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've grown to like the, 
oh man the lemon ones um then what the dosi dough are the peanut butter sandwich ones right <laughs> correct those are those are like somewhat okay, but I just stick to like usually, usually thin mints and shortbread. That's about it. Uh, so, excuse me. Uh, Craig mentions the availability. This is very confusing. My wife actually works for Girl Scouts, the council uh, out here, mm-hmm. and um, so I I know like mm-hmm. all about how there's two different bakers and they make slightly different types, uh, but they also have different names for uh, the same sandwich cookies. So. I I consistently mix up which name I is the name I remember from California and which one is actually yeah. up here. Uh, luckily, Thin Mints is one of the few that is just always Thin Mints no matter what you do. Um, so there's definitely an availability difference um, whenever we're in a part of the country that get, has a kind of cookie that we're not able to get out here and it is during the season. Uh, Melissa always goes out of her way to find, find a troop somewhere to be able to uh, stock up. So... Can you imagine if, if like, in some part of the country there were thick mints? Like the... <laughs> just, like, triple stuffed Oreos, but just thin mints instead. <laughs> That's exactly, yeah, exactly. It'd be perfect. Uh, but, yeah, maybe uh, she's really busy right now, but I might have to get her to answer this question at a, a later episode just so she can nice. really give you the lowdown. What, the season is, like, in a couple months, right? Like it. it or, this or, is another thing that I believe varies region to region. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it's all year for Melissa. It tends it tends yeah. to start roughly around the new year, but then it does vary um, uh, troop to troop, or uh, council to council, I should say. Nice. Well, that's the episode. Well, we, we did it. Yeah. Yay. Well, um, yeah, that's all I got. I, I think uh, everyone go out. go If you could find Girl Scout cookies where you're at, great. Otherwise, get some other kind of cookie and enjoy it and eat it while you're listening to this episode, and we will talk to you next week.